as the curtain comes down on the year 2022 and we prepare for the new year 2023, we all wish for each other, for ourselves, for our loved ones, for everyone, a very blessed new year, a year filled with joy, with happiness, with inner peace, with world peace, with serenity, and with the fulfillment of all our heart's desires, all in a very obvious, revealed way. But the big question is how? We all know that New Year comes and goes. Previous years have told us that you can make resolutions, and they may last a day, two days, an hour, and then it dissipates the inspiration. Many New Years have come and gone, and we don't necessarily experience real change. So how? What can we actually do to make this year the best possible year? Please join me in this special New Year's program. Welcome 2023. How to make this the best year yet. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and I welcome you to this special New Year's program. Welcome 2023. How to make this the best year yet. This program is dedicated by Lori Good, in memory of Bruce Good, Raymond Rubin, and Sheila Sarah Leffler. As the curtain comes down in 2022 and we prepare for the new year, we all wish each other ourselves, everyone around us, friends, strangers, family, the best possible year, a year filled with blessings, with revealed good, health, inner peace, outer peace, world peace, serenity, a year where we can be productive and live up to our great potential, where we can focus on bringing light into our lives and to the world around us, and do so with much more focus than fighting the demons and the darkness within or without. But the big, big question is how? How? We see inspiration is not that difficult to inspire someone or to get inspired, but to maintain it, to actually turn it to a sustainable model, a sustainable formula, that's far more difficult. We've seen in the past New Year's resolutions are made that can last a day, two days, maybe a few more days, or an hour or less. It dissipates. And as much as we would like to believe and as much as we hope, New Year's come and go, and we don't necessarily see significant change. It ends up being, yes, a New Year, a fiscal New Year. That's, that's when taxes are counted and other elements of the New Year, but it's not something that necessarily generates internal and consistent change and growth. So the question is how? What can, we, what can we do? So let's first explore and analyze a bit, dissect human nature. Why is it so difficult to change in the first place? 
If you mind, your mind tells you that there's an area in your life, in your work, in your personal life, your psychological, emotional, spiritual life that requires improvement or growth or repair, it would seem to make sense that the mind should direct the rest of you to be motivated and focus to actually implement that change. You may not always know how to change, so to speak to people, to consult, to think about it, to reflect, and then act. Why is it so difficult to get from the brain into action? So the way the Kabbalists and the Hasidic masters put it is because there is a type of schism, a gap between the mind and the emotions and ultimately actions, between thought, speech, and action. There are many, many ideas and ideologies and standards and values that we have that we don't fully act upon. Actually, that is what an uh, ideal is. Something that's idealistic means it's something that you aspire to. Most ideals are never really reached 100%. You try to reach partially. But what is the reason? The reason is because we live in an existence where there, is a, there are gaps, there are schism, there are um, breaches between different aspects of our lives. So your mind can be very clear and tell you this is important, but your emotions are far behind. They may be caught up in their own inertia, their own status quo, their own habits. A few years ago, there was a best-selling book called The Power of Habit that was interesting analysis of what defines a habit and what creates a habit, why habits are so difficult to break. And the point is quite simple, actually. And that is the brain, in its ingenuity and its efficiency, is always seeking to be most efficient in using its resources. So like in any situation, anything that can be automated, like an algorithm or a macro, they used to call it, maybe still call it, the brain will automate and reserve its main power, brain power, for something that requires new investment. So once the brain sees that a person begins to do something by rote, a regimen, you brush, you brush your teeth every morning, or the way you generally take care of yourself in the morning, groom in the morning, the brain memorizes that, and it becomes almost automatic. That's why at times you say, did I actually brush my teeth? Did I actually do this? And in most cases you did, because you just did it automatically. In other words, the brain creates a type of uh, process. Think of it like a program that just says, okay, when you do this at this time, then this follows, then the next thing follows. And that way the brain does not have to concentrate and invest all its energy every time you need to brush your teeth or brush your hair or tie your shoelaces. Once it becomes so-called etched, or the way it's put is that the way the neurons are fired, that's how they get wired. Once it gets wired, then actually to preserve resources and to be efficient, it becomes automatic, and that's why it's so difficult to break. Because now you can't just come to the brain and say, hey, I want to change my regimen, I want to change my routine. Because the brain has already registered it. And it takes an equal amount of effort, if not even more, of repetitive behavior that's different than the initial habit to break the habit. And why more? Because once it became locked in, so to speak, it's not that simple to just change it. Even if it's a bad habit and even if it's something we really want to change. So it's actually in the name of efficiency that makes it so difficult to change these habits. 
which explains and helps explain that there's one of the schisms, that your mind can tell you something, but if your very being, your psyche, and your reflexes, and your instincts have now been programmed to behave a certain way, you will always react that way. I mean, this sometimes takes on even more acute manifestations. I remember once someone coming to see me. And they were sitting not far, they were sitting in a chair not far from me, and speaking about their life, a person was deeply traumatized, was physically abused and hit, and so on. And for some reason I may have, I guess I bent over the table and I tried to pick up a napkin or something, and this person flinched and drew back as if I was about to hit them. And I said, what happened? And we both recognized that that person became so used to that unexpected smack or slap that whenever somebody reaches closely, their arm goes closer to them, they flinch and they react. Another reflex, even though there's no danger. So really it's coming from a place the body is trying to protect itself. So we build up defenses. And at times when there's real danger, those defenses are valuable. They're life-saving. But imagine once you don't need them any longer. Then those reflexes work against you. Because then you don't let anyone in. And you're always afraid. And you never know what's coming next. Just to give examples of why it's so difficult to create change. So bottom line is when we come into the new year or we come into any given situation where we get inspired and we want to create some change, you're not contending with a neutral situation and just say, okay, great, let's do something new. You're dealing with previous baggage. You're dealing with a history. You're dealing with routines, with habits that are etched into your being. And they may be etched in for years. Another second point that's important to mention is comfort zones. There's something about our comfort zones. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. So in addition to point number one, which is the way we get wired, there's a certain element that it's, it's easier to remain in the same place than to, change, than to change. Because it takes too much effort and too much exertion. So we are attached to our comfort zones, to our security blankets. And that again is another reason why even though something would make sense that requires change or growth or, or movement, you may be stuck in that place. And finally, there's another concept where there's an actual gap between thought, speech, and action. That's why you'll find people will say to you, I love what you're doing. Great, I'm behind you. When, they, when you ask them, well, will you sign a check? Will you invest? And they, and they may not. What happened? Their heart's with you. Their mind is with you. Because there's something about action that's not just words. Not that that person is being... Um, is, being, uh, is being duplicitous or being false. They actually do believe in what you're doing, but it hasn't convinced them enough to leap over, leap over that schism, schism to get it into an action. And that's why you'll see that it's a particular excellence and brilliance people who know how to execute something. Not just to have an idea on paper, but to execute it. And we see also the other way around, the resistance. Because once you build it, then there's no turning back. So that's yet an additional reason that makes it more difficult to bring a theory or to bring a resolution 
into reality. Now, why is it so important to understand the, the, the pitfalls, the difficulties? Because awareness is half the cure of any problem. When you know what is stopping us from really experiencing something new, then you could do something to counter it and indeed bring that newness into your life. So let's introduce a word that I've discussed many times, but let's introduce it again as we prepare for the new year, the word called bittel, B-I-T-T-U-L. It's a Hebrew word, but it has tremendous power and potency. It means a combination of modesty, humility, but above all, suspending your present state in order to absorb something greater. So let's take a simple example. You're reading a book. You're going to a class. You're watching something online. And you're learning something new about a topic you're interested in. Now, you may know something about it beforehand, but something new is being introduced. What is most critical of all is not to fit what is being said into your previous model, but to be open enough to put aside any previous conception or misconception or preconception and allow yourself to hear and absorb something new. A dry sponge absorbs. A saturated wet sponge doesn't absorb. So in a way, all the ideas we have, and the smarter you may be and the more knowledgeable you are about something, may actually be also an obstacle to assimilating and absorbing a new concept, new idea. So that's where Bittl comes into play. The ability for a human being not to allow your subjective impulses and instincts and your previous, pre, previous experiences, including stereotypes or biases, and not necessarily malicious ones, to get in the way and not allow something fresh into your life. I often ask people when you go to a party, a New Year's party or any party, who do you gravitate to? The people you recognize or the people that are new? Most people answer the people I know, more comfortable. Some will say, the people I know, I know already. I'm coming to a party, I want to meet new people. Fresh air. Fresh air, we know, is always the key to health. But fresh air requires getting out of your comfort zone, breaking the ice, getting to know someone you haven't met before. There's a certain unknown, there's a certain risk even. Not risk necessarily, dangerous risk, but it's much easier, as I said before, comfort zones. So Bittl is actually a tool, a tool that we can use and implement that counters the resistances, the three things I mentioned before. The power of habit that we get wired in, the power of comfort zone, and the power of, that is necessary to leap over from thought and speech, or from mind and art into action. So Bittl is a force that allows you to get out of your immediate space, which is the key to all growth. You want to climb a mountain? You can't stay where you are. You have to be constantly open and receptive to going to the next step. Yes, do it step by step. Pace yourself. But you need to move. And when you move, you need to move one leg from the place where it was comfortable before to the next rung, to the next step. While you keep the, ne- the, the other leg on the, first, on the previous step. But that's how, what's what movement is all about. That's what growth is all about. Look at nature itself, the human being. We're constantly in a mobile state of movement and development. 
not only from childhood years to maturity, but even once we return, return into mature adults. It's a constant journey. Unless you don't allow it to be. And that's when we stagnate. When our lives become more static, where we begin to, to, to cruise. Instead of grow, instead of climb. We begin to get into stuck in our comfort zones. Which is a, always a trap. So if you want something to change, you need to change something. To just say a new year is coming and hey, I'm open for change, that's not enough. Because you're not new. You're the same person that was there before the new year came. So all you have is a new year. But you, the person, is still the, is still the person from 2022 or 2021 or whatever, going back throughout your life, whenever your life began. So you have to change something within yourself and allow yourself to experience something greater that you have not experienced before. So practically speaking, that means not just taking on resolutions, but actually really committing. And one other way, another trick to get beyond the inertia and the status of the status quo is to do it with another person. Maybe begin studying, join a, a book club, join a group, or it's one or two people once a week, certain time designate, we're going to read something together, we're going to discuss something together. Join a volunteer group to visit someone needy or a group of needy people once a week. Always action-based, because action has a power that thought and speech or mind and heart do not have. And you can appreciate it when you understand the resistance and the difficulty. Because as powerful as the resistance is, you need as much power, if not more, to overcome it. That's how it works. When someone's resisting, you can't just go in the same mode. You need to have even more intensity, even more, a greater surge of energy and strength to persevere and break through. Now, of course, all this is predicated on the motivation. Because if there's no motivation, then as soon as there's a little resistance, or you just say, okay, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start the next day, and tomorrow becomes a w- next week or next month, obviously that's not going to work. So how do we get that motivation? Now, some people are motivated out of a sense of duty, like a soldier in, a, in the military. It's not a matter whether you're comfortable or not. This is your duty. This is your responsibility. But many of us don't feel that way. We don't feel we're soldiers in a military or we're astronauts in outer space or we're on some other mission. We'd rather just be left alone and do whatever I want. When I'm motivated, I'll be motivated. When I'm not, I'm not. So let's find a quote-unquote selfish reason why someone should be motivated. Because it serves your self-interest. You actualize yourself. Not just that the world needs you and there's a greater cosmic plan where you play an indispensable role that you and only you can fulfill, which that alone should be a tremendous motivation. But there's one additional point, which will make it, there's also your interest involved. You have strengths, you have potential that's not being actualized when you stay in your comfort zone. So I would suggest and submit that if you can combine both elements, that sense of purpose and calling that you're needed, because the world cannot be complete without you doing what you need to do, and that you matter, and your choices matter, it's also for your benefit 
to be the healthiest you can be isn't just physically healthy, isn't just eating the right foods and drinking the right drinks and exercising and the proper hygiene and getting enough sleep. You also have a spirit, a psyche, a personality. And just as the body will go into atrophy, muscles, if they're not used, your personality, we'll call it your emotional and intellectual makeup, your inner faculties will also go into atrophy. Simply put, that when you're kind to someone, you're exercising the muscle called kindness. It's not a physical muscle. It's a psychic muscle. You can call it an emotional muscle, but it's still part of you. And the same thing with all the other faculties. You may be familiar with the concept of the ten spheres, or as they evolve into the ten human conscious faculties. If you've seen my book, The Spiritual Guide to Counting the Omer, I speak about the seven emotions, love, and kindness, discipline, compassion, endurance, yielding, humility, bonding, and dignity. Those are seven. Then there's three cognitive faculties, conceiving of an idea, developing it, and bringing it to a conclusion. These are our conscious faculties. They're also superconscious ones. And just as your body, just as your muscles and nerves and all other parts of your organs and all other body parts, down to the smallest deep detail and very fiber of your being, needs nourishment, whether it needs oxygen, food, drink, or other elements that nourish and sustain it, so too do your faculties need nourishment. So in addition to fulfilling your calling and your purpose in existence, your reason that you are here, it's also about you. So when a person stagnates or just remains in the status quo, maybe stagnate for some people is too strong, but there's no movement, there's no growth. Well, no growth, if you're not busy living, you're busy dying, as the expression goes. Because life is about movement. And every day is energy. And if that energy is not used, that energy is lost. So it's about being in flux, a pulsating movement. And by you acting on and creating newness in your life, whether it's in thought, speech, but primarily in action, you actually access and draw from that new energy that's coming into your life. And to draw upon a powerful, brilliant, mystical concept, the concept of perpetual creation, that just as I'm speaking right now needs constant energy for me to speak, to me to breathe, that existence itself is constantly being perpetually renewed. It's a divine breath. Just as we need to breathe every moment, there's a breath of energy that sustains and renews and re-energizes existence. So indeed, when a person is not moving along with it, it's like being in the, an, an ocean or in a sea where the waves, where the tide is carrying you and you're resisting the tide. So you can remain in your place, but you'll never really carry yourself with what is really going on, that movement, that energy within. However, when you learn to ride those waves, you learn to ride the tide, then you're carried with it. So every day is new opportunities. And definitely when the collective defines something as the new year, 
So accessing that meaning means that you put your mindset and your heart and your actions in that same mode, a mode of renewal, something fresh and new. And that goes back to what we spoke about earlier, taking upon yourself something that you actually commit to. And even when you're not in the mood, that's the key. It's not like I'll do it when I'm in the mood. That defeats the whole purpose. The commitment has to be more powerful than your mood. The commitment has to be more powerful than your status quo. That's the only way that we can actually extract ourselves from being stuck in our routines, from that broken record that so many people complain about. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And additionally, what happens is that even the things that you are doing that are routine, you have your family, you have your commitments, you have your responsibilities, your work, your friends, that too becomes renewed. In other words, you don't have to start doing everything new. You can be doing the same things but it's done with a whole new passion, a whole new energy, because you're accessing that which lies within and not just the surface level that can sometimes seem frozen and immobile and inanimate. You're bringing the animation, the energy, the fire, the fiery passion to the surface. That's what it's all about, my friends. And indeed, the soul, the human soul, is a fire. A flickering fire that, that is incessant, that never rests. Unwavering and never rests. It's constantly flickering, constantly restless, in a good way. And if you don't feed that restlessness with healthy outlets, it will start making you miserable. Anxiety sets in. You look for unhealthy outlets to, to deal with that restlessness. Because a human being cannot live just animal bliss, like a flat line. We're desperate for movement in a good way. So when you don't get it in a healthy way, that's where addictions come in. That's when destructive behavior comes in. Now, we, could, we all understand that, we, as I said before, we don't come with a clean slate, so we have a history. The question will be asked, of course, next. Fine, all sounds great on paper, but my resistance comes from a fourth thing that you didn't mention. I'm saying the question that would be posed to me. The fourth thing is my broken history, my dysfunctionality, the toxins that I absorbed. So yes, we mentioned the idea of habits being wired in. We mentioned the idea of comfort zone. We mentioned the idea of the resistance to action which requires a certain leap. But what about the, the demons, the dark parts, the uglier shadows within us? that create fear, insecurity, and give us a strong reason not to make a move because we don't believe in ourselves. We don't have the confidence. And it's not always spoken. These can be sub subconscious fears, inhibitions that don't allow us to really move forward. So then that itself is what you need to tackle. Identify that. Don't let it just become also part of your status quo. Oh, you know what, I'm damaged goods. Or I'm just a person that has fear. Or what can I do? That was, was what, you know, that was what happened in my childhood and now I, no I can't change. Identify it and fight it. How do you fight it? By acting on things that counter that attitude. You have a fear? Find a friend. Find somebody that you can talk to. A therapist, a friend, a colleague, a mentor. 
and find something you can do that makes you feel good about yourself that day. One of the suggestions I always give, and it always works wonders when people live, follow it. Every day, at least one thing you do that you could say at the end of the day, I'm proud of what I did. I'm not talking about an ego trip. I'm talking about proud. You're going to sleep proud. Not humiliated, not demoralized. Not saying, oh, another day, nothing to be excited about. No, something that you are proud of. And that can be something like studying something, praying, or acts of kindness, volunteerism. So just as the human body gets comforted and reinvigorated through a spa, so we have the spiritual spa. Perfect time to begin with the new year coming. What is SPA? SPA is an acronym. Study, prayer, action. Cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. Thinking different. Feeling different. And acting differently. That's how you initiate and generate change. So mindset every day, studying something new, something fresh, something spiritual, that puts your mind in a different place, not the mind of yesterday. Not your attitudes of yesterday. The same thing emotionally. Prayer, song, things that touch you emotionally. And many, and very often emotions are even harder to shift and change. Because they're subjective. But in, introduce yourself to new emotional experiences. A new song. A new poem. A new uh, spiritual experience that touches your heart. A prayer. And finally, A, SPA, study, prayer, action, action, new acts of kindness, volunteer. Once a week, go for a walk with a child that needs some emotional support. Reach out. That invigorates, that refreshes, that accesses the new energy that's brewing beneath the surface and allows you to get out of your status quo, out of your static stagnant place to draw from those reservoirs, from those wellsprings. And when you do that, that new energy flows and overflows into your outer life, into your routines, into your habits, into those areas that keep you so trapped. But you need to see yourself in this way. And when you do that, you actually can experience the best year yet. So let me wish you a happy new year. Not just as a blessing from above, a happy new year, but a happy new year that gives you the strength to access all the powers you have within you. To make those moves, to make those changes, and indeed experience a year like you've never seen before. Because you're accessing yourself. And the rule is that when you draw those energies, they respond. And they further motivate you. They further feed and help you grow. Happy New Year, everyone. It should be a blessed year in a revealed way in all manners, matters, whether it's our own personal lives, our relationships, our children, all in good health and abundant livelihood, all in a revealed manner. Thank you so much and Happy New Year. This has been Simon Jacobson. Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. So on behalf of all of us who are dedicated to this work of helping 
every man, woman, and child we can reach with accessing their own inner calling, unique, indispensable mission with tools and resources that can draw it into and infuse it into every aspect of life. That's what we do. So I wish you all, on behalf of all of us, and please also consider, as we conclude the year, in our, to contribute and participate in our year-end end campaign. We are a nonprofit, and we, we are sustained by your contributions and your generosity. Go to giftofmeaning.com, and please contribute generously. And may you be blessed in turn many times over. Thank you again. Be well. Happy New Year. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.